0: hi this is filmmaker and author michael morin whenever i'm not riding my bike around the davis campus i'm listening to kdvs college radio right here fm cool This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Mr. McMillan, will you please cue up an appropriate tune? You made me cry when you said goodbye. Is a shame? feel rain shame you to broke yes among the many things that were a shame about the impact of uh, Hurricane Katrina on New Orleans and the Gulf States was seemingly for a while... Uh, potential death of the immortal Fats Domino, who went missing in action down in New Orleans. Fortunately, it turns out that uh, the rock and roll pioneer was subsequently located and is now safe. He was born Antoine Domino and was one of the best-selling recording artists of the 1950s with a string of hits including Ain't That a Shame, Blueberry Hill, and Walking to New Orleans. No word on whether uh, Fats Domino is planning to do a remake of Walking to New Orleans, which I think these days might be called Rowing to New Orleans. We would like to thank Jerry for sending us an email to info at radioparallax.com. Which shows an August 28th graphic of the anticipated track of Hurricane Katrina, which appears to be the exact course that the hurricane subsequently took in striking the Gulf Coast, leaving a lot of people wondering what in the hell was going on in terms of disaster planning. As we mentioned on last week's program, something like 40% of the National Guard of Mississippi and New Orleans is across the Atlantic Ocean over in Iraq right now, where they're not able to accomplish a great deal of good in hurricane-stricken New Orleans. A lot of people are asking, what in the hell is wrong with the administration, the Bush administration? What in the hell is wrong with FEMA? And in that regard, I would like to quote from an article from the Salt Lake Tribune by Linda Rosetta, which was also sent to us by Jerry. Uh, Let's quote from this. Dateline Atlanta. Not long after some 1,000 firefighters sat down for eight hours of training, the whispering began. What are we doing here? As New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin pleaded on national television for firefighters, His own are exhausted after working around the clock for a week. A battalion of highly trained men and women sat idle Sunday in a muggy Sheraton Hotel conference room in Atlanta. Many of the fighter fighters, assembled from Utah and throughout the United States by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, that's FEMA, thought they were going to be deployed as emergency workers. Instead, they have learned that they're going to be community relations officers for FEMA shuffled around the Gulf Coast region to disseminate flyers and a phone number, 1-800-621-FEMA. On Monday, some firefighters stuck in the staging area of the Sheraton peeled off their FEMA-issued shirts and stuffed them in backpacks, saying they refuse to represent the federal agency. Federal officials are unapologetic. I would go back and ask the firefighter to review his commitment to FEMA, to firefighting, and to the citizens of this country, said FEMA spokeswoman Mary Hudak. The firefighters, or at least the fire chiefs who assigned them to come to Atlanta, knew what the assignment would be, Hudak said. The initial call to action very specifically said, we're looking for two-person fire teams to do community relations, she said. So if there's a breakdown in communication, it was likely in their own departments. Going on with the article by Linda Rosetta. One fire chief from Texas agreed that the call was clear to work as community relations officers, but he wonders why the 1,400 firefighters FEMA attracted to Atlanta aren't being put to better use. He also questioned why the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, of which FEMA is now part, has not responded better to the disaster. Later in the article, it noted that a firefighter from California said he feels ill-prepared to even carry out the job FEMA has assigned him. In the field, Hurricane Katrina victims will approach him with questions about everything from insurance claims to financial assistance. My only answer to them is 1-800-621-FEMA, he said. I'm not used to not being in the know. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, our National Guard is over in Iraq, and FEMA is getting 1,400 firefighters in a conference room in Atlanta to send them around doing public relations and telling people to call 1-800-621-FEMA. And of course, if you've ever called technical support, <coughs> you may realize that you might not be getting immediate good answers to your numerous questions on the 1-800 number, don't you think? But we digress. Let us go back to the normal uh, way we start this program and then ease back into things, shall we? On this date in history, September 8th, 1504, Italian sculptor Michelangelo's David was in- unveiled in a Florence town square. And on this date in 1900, packing 130 mile an hour winds, a hurricane and storm surge struck Galveston, Texas, destroying most of the city and killing more than 8,000 people. This had previously been the worst natural disaster in American history. It is thought to be a certainty that Hurricane Katrina will, uh, will far eclipse the famous Galveston hurricane in terms of property damage as to whether it will exceed 8,000 killed. The body count continues. It seems quite possible that it will. Our quote of the day today comes from the legendary Hollywood costume designer Edith Head, who once said, A dress should be tight enough to show you're a woman, and loose enough to show you're a lady. And our joke, or at least one-liner of the day, comes from the immortal Rodney Dangerfield, who once said, I was such an ugly kid, when I played in the sandbox, the cat kept covering me up. About you, but these are putting me in a better mood. So let's go to our, one of our perennial favorites here—the good week for a bad week for section, which was carefully conserved from last week. There is no um, uh, current newsstand edition of the week. And by the way, we'd like to thank Elaine for having uh, originally um, alerted us to the possibilities of of uh, incorporating some aspects of the week into our public affairs program here on KDVS. We Certainly do appreciate their efforts in, in scanning the news and culling items, which we then feel free to excerpt for review purposes on this program, which, of course, is always legal. Anyway, uh, the Week magazine judged it to be a good week for animal husbandry after the opening in Sao Paulo, Brazil, of Pet Love, a sleazy motel designed just for pets. All rooms feature satin sheets and ceilings mirrored to put cats and dogs in the mood pets have needs explained a spokesman and they also want some excitement who let the dogs out on the other hand it was judged a bad week for starting the day off right after daniel Jepson, aged 30 burst into a nevada home waving a handgun and demanding that the terrified family serve him a bowl of cereal and milk. Jepson was on the couch eating the cereal when police arrived to arrest him. Okay, going back to Good Week 4. It was a good week for, the magazine judged, psychological warfare after the University of Iowa unveiled the redecorated locker room for visiting football teams. Every surface in the room has been painted a highly effeminate shade of pink, including the urinals. It would probably tick me off a little bit, admitted Iowa linebacker Abdul Hodge. And final item. Last week was judged a bad week for The Mood Backstage after Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones celebrated the start of the band's current world tour by telling Q Magazine that Mick Jagger has an extremely small penis. Ask Marianne Faithful, Richard said. And an item from the Only in America file, which we're taking from the week, although we were planning to talk about this, uh, having culled us from the news ourselves. A New Hampshire doctor is facing disciplinary action for advising an obese patient to lose weight or risk serious health problems. Dr. Terry Bennett has apologized in writing for offending the unnamed woman, but the state attorney general's office is now demanding that he take a medical education course and admit that he made a mistake. I've made many errors in my lifetime, said Bennett. Telling someone the truth is not one of them. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, that perennial battle between the doctor and the lawyer. The lawyers in this country have gotten involved and decided that doctors telling people they're too fat and need to lose weight for their own health benefits might be deemed offensive and legally actionable course, uh, now what happens if you don't, if you then decide to be politically correct and not say anything to your obese patient? Can you later be sued then when they die of heart disease and, you know, various metabolic conditions? I'll bet so. And uh, speaking of idiots and jackasses in the legal field practicing medicine without a license, we would like to refer you to Time Magazine's July 25th article from this summer, one we've been meaning to get to for some time, titled, Why is the DEA Hounding This Doctor? The article explains how the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration walked into the offices of Dr. Richard Nelson, a Billings, Montana, neurologist, spent six hours combing through his records, seizing 72 patient charts, and confiscating his drug dispensing permit. The charge? None. So far. The assumption is that he is suspected of improperly prescribing narcotic drugs. Despite a distinguished professional record spanning four decades, Dr. Nelson has had to spend $20,000 on lawyers fearing the government will indict him if, he t- if it turns out that one of his patients has misused the medicine prescribed. My practice is sunk, said the 73-year-old physician, who specializes in chronic pain treatment. I can't even write a prescription for Tylenol-3 if someone has a migraine. Now, we've reported to you on this program and gave you a report after yours truly in his role as a physician in California attended last winter a pain management and end-of-life care conference down in Southern California. This was put on by the California Medical Association in conjunction with the UC Davis Health System. In fact, almost every physician in California is now being required to attend one of these pain management and end-of-life care 12-hour sessions because as uh, as a medical culture, we are grossly under-prescribing pain medicine. The state has had to step in and remind physicians that we have an obligation to treat people who are in pain. This is being done... Uh, to a lesser degree than uh, than circumstances should warrant out of, in many cases, the fear of physicians that they will face prosecution on drug charges if there is some sort of complaint. During this symposium, the question uh, was asked, of what about the feds? And it was uh, explained by some of these state authorities from the California Medical Association uh, that, uh, well, you know, we, we've got an understanding with them that, uh, you know, that, This is going to be fine. Well, apparently, according to Time Magazine, just a few months later, not so. Let me quote more from the article. The DEA, referring to the case of uh, of Dr. Nelson, said it was acting on tips from, quote, several individuals in the community and pharmacies regarding suspicious prescriptions. This is according to a DEA spokesman, who then declined to elaborate. Now, uh, the article goes on to note that in the government's new crackdown, this is the federal government's new crackdown, legitimate physicians and patients may be getting caught in the net. Hello? 50 million Americans are in severe pain from arthritis, back injuries, cancer, and other disabilities, says Dr. Scott Fishman, president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. Dr. Fishman is part of the UC Davis system. We're going to hope to bring him on this program in the future to talk about these issues. According to Dr. Fishman, the government is sending a message to avoid prescribing strong painkillers. Now, I had a chance to speak briefly with Dr. Fishman after he gave an excellent talk at this conference down in Southern California. He said he'd be happy to speak to you, the KDVS listening audience, and, and we really do need to get him on to talk about this, this is this is really scary stuff. Because anyone in primary care, basically on a daily basis, will probably face issues of of pain management, how to dole out uh, analgesics, and the fact that uh, people with a drug problem are trying to con you out of medicines. This is just part an everyday part of medicine, but. I would agree with the, with the state of California, with the California Medical Association, the UC Davis Health System, the City of Hope Cancer Center, and the UC Irvine College of Medicine, continuing med- medical education, which put on this symposium that, on the balance, we are vastly under medicating people. I gotta tell you, I, I find this I find this to be very depressing, and a topic we will uh, we will we will move on from today, but but believe me, we we will return to in the future. And in uh, further bad news on the medical front from the Bush administration, we have the following. The issue of the morning-after pill has been put off. Lester Crawford, FDA commissioner, has postponed a final decision about Plan B's uh, being marketed in the United States. This is after 28 months of growing controversy. Um, the uh, the FDA decided uh, two weeks ago to indefinitely postpone its decision on whether women should be allowed to buy the morning-after pill, called Plan B, without a prescription. Despite earlier assurance that it would act by September 1st, keep in mind that the scientific panel that was uh, that was uh, convened to look into the safety of Plan B. Uh, agreed overwhelmingly that it was safe and could be marketed to the women of America. But uh, that was before politics intruded, and basically this whole issue over uh, these alleged issue of abortion politics, abortion rights, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the idea that, uh, that somehow this morning after pill is, is the same as an abortion intruded into all of this, and as a consequence, the decision has been post Pwned indefinitely. By way of review, uh, Plan B has been available since July 1999 by prescription. There really is nothing magical about Plan B. Uh, basically, you take two birth control pills and 12 hours take two more birth control pills and you've got, in essence, Plan B. This will prevent pregnancy after there's been uh, an accident or or a uh, an, an, ex- an episode of, uh, you know, of sexual intercourse that did not involve contraception, this will protect the woman from an unwanted pregnancy. God, and I was in such a good mood there for a while. Um, all right, I'm not. I'm not sorry to say, not done with the bad news. The Bayer Corporation, according to a Washington Post article, September second, has asked the FDA to allow it to keep selling its controversial animal antibiotic, Baytril while it fights an agency ban on the drug in federal court. Uh, we've, we've talked about this numerous times on this program. By way of review, antibiotics are put into animal feed. In fact, two-thirds of the antibiotics produced in this country are not used to prevent you and I from having a serious infection. They're simply dumped into animal feed because under the current way that uh, animals are raised under overcrowded conditions, uh the antibiotics seem to work nobody really knows why whether it's preventing infections or whether it's doing something to the gut of the animal that allows uh, more uh, food to be available for metabolism N- nobody's sure but one thing that is sure is that these animals are then pooping out uh bacteria that are naturally more antibiotic resistant. Now, people have been very up in the up in the uh, up in arms over this Baytril matter because it's um, it's what's called a fluoroquinolone, a very uh, relatively new type of antibiotic, uh, similar to important human antibiotics such as Cipro. Remember the anthrax scare? Well, Cipro is a very important antibiotic, and just allowing Bayer. To sell this in vast quantities to the uh the factory farms of America to pump through animals uh wh- well of course the penalty that that's being paid for this is that out in the environment we're breeding bugs resistant to antibiotics that we use in humans. This is going to have very very bad health consequences in the future, and they've already traced to outbreaks of of human disease, to antibiotic resistance generated through animal feed. It's only going to get worse if Bayer keeps selling this stuff, and if the FDA, you know, fiddles while Rome burns, which I would bet it's going to do. Said Margaret Mellon of the Union of Concerned Scientists, if the agency decides to leave Bay Trill on the market, it will add to the growing evidence that FDA's agenda is being driven by politics, not science. God, I'm just getting tired out telling you all this bad news. Before we go to break, we need something a little bit lighter. So I guess I'll reach over for something we can always use, I think, to bridge certain gaps in this program. Truth truth, truth, truth or, or, or Tabletal. As you recall, these are headlines that you have to guess whether they're the truth or whether they're a made-up tabloid headline, all right? here right? Here let's do a few of these. Truth or tabloid? Elton John tops funeral home pop charts. Truth or tabloid? Well, truth. According to Kelly Smith, the National Funeral Directors Association, Elton is the most frequently played pop star during funeral proceedings, with Celine Dion placing second. Bach and Beethoven are the top classical artists. All right, truth or tabloid? Critic flips coin to decide if he likes movie. That's actually tabloid. (laughs) But uh, the the writers of the book said, but do you really think Roger Ebert and his ilk watch four or five crappy movies each week all the way through? We suspect not. All right, final, uh, final item for this uh, segment today. Truth or tabloid? Elvis impersonator wears turban, grows beard. That one is, in fact, truth. In fact, Peter Nawander Singh, a Sikh who resides in Swansea, Wales, does one of the best Elvis tributes around, says party planner Danielle J. of London. Sings beard. Turban wearing, white sequined Elvis is in such demand that even Bob Geldorf wanted him for his 50th birthday bash. All right, that's a better way to end the segment you're listening to. Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett and this is KDVS, 90.3 FM Davis, Sacramento. <laughs> Baby, let me be around you every night Run your fingers through my hand And cuddle me real tight Oh, let me be your teddy bear I don't want to be a tiger Cause tigers play too rough I don't want to be a lion Cause lions ain't the kind you love enough <laughs> your teddy bear <laughs> for a change.